as that legal environment does begin to clear up and clarify, whether it's 12 months from now or 24 or 36, whenever it is, we'll be in position with those brands that the large guys will want to acquire. Hello, everybody. It's Matt Rubel, and we are here with Retails from the Front Lines, our view into all things that are happening in the retail and brand business that we give you kind of an insider's view in the way in which things are evolving in our community today. We have an exciting guest with us today, the founder, chairman, and head of one of the most innovative investment groups out there, the Lucas Group. And we are here with Jay Lucas, who is the chairman of the group. Um, and it's an interesting investment group, you know, that you founded, Jay, because you're really in an area that's very pertinent, which is health and wellness, you know, and beauty, which, you know, we all want to feel better and I'm we sure. all want to look better. And there's all those things. But you've taken a very specific angle in addition to the broad area of health, wellness and beauty, and that is CBD. And why don't you, you know, give us a little insight into kind of what drove you to kind of start this investment group up in terms of the broad space, and then why you were one of the first people to really go after creating this uh, separate avenue of investment? Uh, sure, I'd be delighted. I'm actually, just thank you very much for the opportunity to be on the show. It's a terrific show. I'd love to take you through my journey and how we got to this point where we literally are, I believe, um, the leaders in the area of beauty, wellness, and CBD. So I, I call it the intersection between beauty, wellness, and CBD slash cannabis, which I think is a really exciting place to be. And it didn't really start out that way <laughs> for me to be on this journey, but let me tell you how it started. So my business career started at Bain & Company. I was one of the early partners at Bain, a strategy consulting firm, there for almost 10 years. And as the company grew and uh, I became a smaller part of a bigger machine, I'm, I'm basically an entrepreneur and decided to start my own thing, if you will. So a number of years ago, I started my own strategy and investing group, the Lucas Group, which you mentioned. And I've operated that for many, many years, working with private equity investors and, and looking at uh, companies to invest in and actually helping with growth strategies. Fairly a boutique, but a, a, a wonderful place to be. And uh, looking at many industries over the years, and you can imagine. If so you got to see everything that was out there, and then after doing that, you kind of said, "Hey, here's an area to like double down in." Well, here's the crazy thing. So I had been doing this so many years when I finally came upon, finally, 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 the most attractive industry I'd ever seen. And it turns out to be about four or five years ago, I stumbled into the beauty slash wellness industry, and oh my goodness! Now, when I say attractive. It's attractive in a couple of particular dimensions from a business perspective. One is that the economics of that business are just really attractive in terms of the margins and sort of the profit structure and just the way the vertical chains are set up. But also the growth. The growth um, that I always like to be in a business where you get wind at your back. And the wind at your back or the growth is driven in wellness by a couple of major factors going on that I think of as almost tectonic shifts. One being the aging of the population. So the demographics are really in your favor when you're in the wellness or beauty business because everyone's concerned with anti-aging and, and feeling better, feeling younger. So you're investing stronger. in the creation of the fountain of youth of sorts or of how we're, we can think about it that way? We're all, we're all in the business of trying to discover that fountain of youth. 
But at the same time, you know, there's another major trend that um, is a, a wind at our back, and that is the the whole movement toward natural and organic, and that's also shifting so much of the business. So with with all of these factors, the economics, the growth, and it just looked like a really attractive business to me. I decided I really wanted to get into this in a much deeper way, and this is about four or five years ago. So I decided to do a really intensive study, and I got a team to work with me from the Yale Business School, <laughs> and we tore it apart. And what I wanted to know was where were the great investments? Where, is, where does all the value get created in the business? And it turns out, and this part is not going to surprise you, that a disproportionate amount of the value is actually created by brands. And that part won't surprise you. And the next part may not either, but it's a niche that we found through this study is that there's really an extraordinary amount of value that's created by small brands. So small brands that you know may start out with an entrepreneur, maybe a million dollars in sales or a couple million dollars in, um, in, the, in the beauty or wellness space, and which we define as skincare, hair care, cosmetics, any of those related adjacent wellness products. But a one or $2 million business that if you can acquire it, if you can grow it and get it to a certain magic level, and that threshold is somewhere around perhaps about $20 million in revenues, if you can get there, suddenly the magic is that you become incredibly attractive as an acquisition target for big guys like L'Oreal, P&G, Estee Lauder, the large companies that you think, because they've got all those resources, could incubate little brands on their own. But the truth is just the opposite. <laughs> They're really abysmal at that activity. And what they, what they are good at, though, is recognizing brands that they can acquire and grow. So you're, so you're really in the business of finding that budding entrepreneur who is out there and kind of, you know, via hook or crook has got an amazing idea that's unencumbered by corporate America, that's really close to the consumer with something special, and then providing them with capital and know-how in terms of growth. Is that accurate? You've summed it up so perfectly, really. I mean, those are the people that we're really looking for. They're people who are innovative. They see a little white space in the market. They've got the entrepreneurial spirit to go out and, and try to go capture that. And they're able to take it to a certain level. But generally what they find is that at a certain point in time, they need the two things that you mentioned. One is they definitely need capital because if they're going to really grow, you have to invest in marketing and inventory and all of the things that will take you from that small sort of hand-to-mouth business to a real enterprise that can achieve that kind of multi-million dollar growth. But they also need hands-on capability, value-add expertise. So we, that's what we bring. And when, we, when I talk about the value-add expertise, I usually kind of think of it in two buckets. One, of, one bucket is very mundane and not all that interesting, and the other is, uh, is, is more interesting. But the mundane things that we can bring to a, a, an enterprise are things like a financial platform, logistics help, supply chain, purchasing cost reductions, all of those little things that don't sound very sexy or interesting, but my gosh, these little, these little companies can really benefit from our, our, from our platform. So is the platform people, or is it, do you have like a software program, is it... You know, do you have outside people who just like come in and like help them set up the books, you know, real fast? What would make it really unique and special for that investor who says, I I need to scale? Well, it's all of the above. We have certainly people on staff who've been doing this for a number of years and are really, really good at it. But we also have software platforms, we have plug in capabilities, we have the ability for them to leverage off of our buying contracts with some of the major suppliers. The same thing with some of our major marketing firms as well. But that's the mundane. 
where the real value add is, is when we can help them grow the top line. And growing the top line has a number of aspects to it as well. Clearly, distribution is really one of the key aspects of being successful in growing your revenues in this business. And so the mere fact that we know people at the major retailers, so whether it be a Target or Sephora or CVS or name whatever one retailer you want to name, we have relationships with some of our other brands in, in, in all of these places, but also QVC and some of the alternative channels. And then I think a distinguishing factor for us, too, is that more and more, not surprisingly, is done on a digital basis. And digital has really changed the landscape over the last, even the last year or two years, things are continuing to change dynamically. And so we bring... Being digitally native, does that get you closer to the consumer than selling through a a secondary channel or a reseller? Which, Which, you know, when you look at these brands, do you find ones that already have some digital connection to be more interesting or just something different? Well, our philosophy is that you really want to be omni-channel. The channels are really just a mechanism to getting you closer to the consumer because what you really want to do is be able to understand the purchasing decision of that consumer and begin to be building an emotional, essentially a trust or brand equity with the ultimate consumer. And in some cases, digital will get you there very, very quickly and very emotionally, and you have that response and you can communicate directly with them. So there is that advantage. But in other cases, for instance, sometimes if you're working through a third party, even digitally or through Amazon, you may not have that connection. So it really does vary. And in certain retail situations, the reverse is true. That if you're in a retail place where maybe you've got a brand that has a story and you really need to communicate that story to the ultimate consumer and you've got the right venue for doing that, you can really make that attachment and, and create that emotional response. Whereas in some other retail environments, you really can't do that. So it sounds like you've kind of got the two-pronged battle of what I'd go, or maybe three-pronged if you look at it. But there's, you know, there's know-how, you've got that, and then know-who, and then uh, come with a little bit of uh, money as well. So the, the three-pronged things that every entrepreneur, you know, likes to have to help to foster their business. But, you know, we talk about beauty, we talk about health and wellness, and then we talk about this emerging market around CBD. So, you know, what is what is that market? How many different things are there? Is it a state business only? Is it national? How do you get people to give you money to deploy money into this, you know, emerging zone? How are you looking at this emerging um, business and what are you doing there that makes it kind of even more interesting than just your basic you know, beauty and wellness business? Well, you know, it's such a great question because if you had asked me that same question exactly one year ago, I'd be looking at you like a deer in the headlights. And um, because it really wasn't even on our radar screen, this whole notion towards CBD or cannabis. But here's how it happened. I'll tell you how we got here over the past year. We had raised a fund to our initial investments in beauty brands. We had raised that fund and we deployed it over the last two or three years, deployed almost $30 million and, um, into nine brands. And all of those nine brands being on their way to achieving this uh, small brands on their way to achieving this $20 million or this kind of revenue target. Well, having done that and finding out that basically we're the only people in the industry doing what we're doing, the word had gotten out pretty quickly that if you've got a small brand and you think it's got potential, 
that the Lucas Group, Lucas Brand Equity, is the place you want to come with your brand. So our pipeline of interesting projects, investments coming in, was just really robust. So last year, we decided that we wanted to keep doing what we're doing, take advantage of these new opportunities, and raise an additional fund. So we're in the process of doing that now, a slightly larger fund, a $50 million fund, initially to do exactly the same thing, beauty and wellness, small brands, acquire them, work with entrepreneurs, grow the brands. Late last year, however, it became incredibly obvious to us that the largest, most significant trend in beauty and wellness that we may see in our lifetimes is this whole trend toward CBD and uh, cannabis. And so late last year, we decided that we would make a preponderance of the uh, investments in our second fund or in our $50 million fund in the area of uh, CBD slash cannabis within or, or underneath the, the greater umbrella of within that sphere of beauty and wellness. And so we decided we're going to be, we're going to, if we're going to go do it, we ought to, we ought to own that territory. And we said, we're going to, as our fund, we're going to own what we call that intersection between uh, beauty, wellness, and CBD. So, so bring me back. So CBD and cannabis, what can they do to make things more beautiful or to make us, you know, have a better experience in wellness. So you talked about, you know, aging and the fountain of youth. I talked about that and we talked about all the different things, but what are the traits and attributes that this ingredient has that are both safe and unlocking in a positive way that excites you about that? Yeah, sure. So cannabis and CBD. One of the really interesting things is that if we went back a few years, maybe even a year, and the word cannabis were out there, people would sort of think, well, maybe that's, is that marijuana? Is that uh, something that's going to get me high? And, and, and over the past really very short period of time, I think many people have become much more sophisticated about it. The truth is that in the cannabis plant, there are something on the order of about 113 different molecules. And it's really just that one molecule, THC, that some people that you might be aware of, which is known as the, that's the psychoactive part of the, that would have gotten that reputation about marijuana. The other molecules uh, are really much more about medicinal effects. And the most prevalent of those other 112 of the 113 molecules would be CBD. So people now know about probably two molecules. I'll come back to the others in a moment, but THC, the psychoactive, and CBD, the one that's really getting all the press now. The effects of CBD are significant and they have effect on beauty and wellness. One of the major effects, scientific effects, is it's an, a very strong, very significant anti-inflammatory. So, inf- for instance, inflammation is really the cause of most, if not all, wrinkles, fine lines, dark spots on the skin. And so, as a, as a skincare ingredient, as an anti-inflammatory, CBD is just a marvelous ingredient. So, whereas retinols, perhaps 20 years ago, were really the magic formula to reducing wrinkles and fine lines... Today, CBD is really the way to go. So uh, Fasti Lauder were launching her line at Saks Fifth Avenue from the 1950s, but in the year 2020, she would actually have a cream that she'd be you know, slathering on that has CBD, which is the anti-inflammatory, is basically of those 113 molecules, that's the one that you, know, you found to be highly efficacious. So that's the first one, and uh, there's a reason for that. But when I say anti-inflammatory, it's not just wrinkles. It has other great benefits as well. It uh, is great for rosacea. It's great for acne. It's great for eczema, psoriasis, all of those. As well as being an anti-inflammatory, it also is um, a, uh, an analgesic, so for pain relief. 
So you may have seen some CBD applications, which are much more around sports creams or taking care of arthritis or certain pain you might have in your elbow or your knee. Really effective. One little, one little side note just for fun. If you want to really know how effective this is for pain or stress, I've been talking to a number of pet owners recently. And these pet owners will say, gee, I give that to my dog who wasn't, uh, who had arthritis and he wasn't walking so well. And my little dog is doing great now. So it's, it's, it's really great analgesic as well as a great anti-inflammatory. It's, it's kind of a miracle formulation that over the years has just really not had much of any visibility because it has been illegal. And so, therefore, there. And, and so, you're, you're, you're. I mean, you're a person who was actually in, I think, the New Hampshire legislature for a while, or in the government, in New Hampshire. So you kind of understand the governmental things. So you're basically saying that there was 113 ingredients here. Because of one, it was outlawed, and the rest are really healthy. And now, as science can unlock nature and then bring that together, holy cow. We're in a whole new world that can really do some pretty spectacular things. Yeah, it's like taking the, the cover off of a, a really magical vat of opportunities that has been waiting there to be discovered for a long time. It is now just at that moment. So it's a, it's a really wonderful time to be involved in the industry because you've got these opportunities that just are totally untapped and you can be first to market. So that's what we decided to do, that we would be first to market that during this time, sort of our business thesis around our, our investments and our fund is basically this in a couple of sentences. It's that today there really still is a what I'll call a murky legal environment around cannabis and CBD and some of the, the old thoughts about it and reputations. And as a result of that, generally the large companies, the L'Oreal's, the Estee Lauder's, the P&G's, the, public, the large public companies will do, have nothing to do with CBD or cannabis. Well, that doesn't stop us. We're moving as expeditiously as we possibly can to own and build the really significant brands in the business so that as that legal environment does begin to clear up and clarify, whether it's 12 months from now or 24 or 36, whenever it is, we'll be in position with those brands that the large guys will want to acquire because they're not going to want to take a long time to develop their own brands. They're going to want to acquire, and we want to be in that position to help them on that. That's great. So, so let's talk about the legal environment, you know, as it relates to that, you know, right now. What is legal nationally and what's only legal in the states? I think for clarity on this, the way to think about it is that historically everything has been illegal on a federal basis. But in the last several years, there have been some states that moved toward the legalization of medical marijuana. There have been some states that have moved even further than that to the legalization of marijuana generally as some in between with some decriminalization. And that's sort of state by state. Well, there was a major change that happened on December 20th last year in what's known as the Farm Bill that was signed by uh, the president into law on December 20th. That bill legalized legalized clearly one form of CBD, and that's what is known as hemp-derived CBD, is now legal federally throughout the entire country. Our position as a fund is that we're only investing in those opportunities that are legal. So if it's legal just in an individual state, then you're not investing in it. But if it's something that's legal through that one category that you just talked about, then that's something that you'll invest in because otherwise there's too much dynamic, too many dynamics going on. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, we we want to stay on the right side of legal. 
By the same token, we're going to stay on the other side, away from THC and psychoactive ingredients. But, but we believe that the that the vast majority of the market is on that legal side, and that over the next twelve or twenty four months, as you, I mean, as you can see, state by state, every well, it seems everything is moving in the direction of you know greater access to all of these medicinally significant molecules in the cannabis plant that can be highly effective for treating a number of conditions. Well, I mean, it's interesting because on one hand, the cannabis idea is kind of sexy because of the one ingredient that, you know, moves, you know, the 113 molecules that moves over, but unlocking the others, they actually may not be as sexy when you really get down to them, but they're the ones that can really do some amazing things to enable us to have a better uh, access to natural wellness and natural natural beauty. Well, here's one of the really, really exciting things that most people don't know about, is that I mentioned the 113 molecules in the plant. And if you look at any of the press or the conversation about cannabis at all, what you learn about really is you'll only hear about two molecules. You'll hear about THC and CBD. And you say, why is that? And the reason is that in the cannabis plant, of all of the mass, all of the, all of the molecules in the plant, as much as 50% of that plant can be made up of just the THC and the CBD, which means that the other 111 molecules have to share the other 50% or, or more of the plant. So as a result, to get enough ingredients from any one of those particular molecules to put it into production and put it into a product, really, really hard, almost impossible to do. So, But yet each one has its own medicinal benefits, some of which can be really significant. Well, Interestingly enough, there are several companies. There's one in particular that we're working with called Tewinot, T-E-E-W-I-N-O-T, that has developed a proprietary patented process. It's a, it's a bioscience company. And what their thing is, is that they're able to take those other molecules, those 100, other 111 molecules, they've got a process for what I call replicating them or scaling them up in a natural way so you can have enough, make them plentiful enough for production. And we at Lucas have engaged in a joint venture with them to have the exclusive rights to all of these other molecules for their usage in personal care and beauty. And so, um, so we're really excited about that. So you'll be that. able to license the technology that enables that? So we'll have the exclusive license to all of the, the technology that enables the replication of all of those other molecules for their usage in the, these sectors, beauty, personal care, wellness. So one opportunity will be to license that. The other will be to build brands. And we're excited about the brand building opportunity because being able to take some of these wellness products to market and have the marvelous effects on the human body and the mind and so forth that you can have with this with these molecules, I think it's going to be extraordinary. It's going to go on for a long period of time as this industry continues to develop. Well, I mean, we're going to have to get you back another time because this is mind-opening in so many ways. But I mean, I think the fact that you've created a platform for great entrepreneurs, starting off with your exposure in managing small businesses and helping these entrepreneurs kind of grow themselves, but now gone into this very complex area of the cannabis plant and the 113 molecules, and then breaking it down into what one can bring kind of one molecule at a time or multiple features and benefits at a time. So Jay, I want to thank you very much for joining us here today. But before we go off, you know, we've learned a lot about what your business is and ways that you're thinking about unlocking this great natural ingredient for us. But, you know, I've Googled you. I've learned all sorts of interesting things about you. What won't I find on Google that will give me some great insights into the wonderful person that you are? 
Well, I don't know if you'll find this on Google or not, but my heart belongs in a small town in New Hampshire. I grew up in this small town called Newport, New Hampshire, which is in the western part of the state, rural town of about 6,000 people. A Norman Rockwell Main Street uh, where you knew every store up and down the Main Street bustling place many years ago. And last year at about this time, I was driving through town and I was looking at it and said, you know what? It's not the same place that it used to be. I mean, it's like so many other towns across our country where the Main Street is still there, but it's kind of hollowed out. Those stores aren't, you've got vacancies, secondhand stores. A lot of the jobs have left town and the opioid crisis there is significant. And so I said, at least in my one little town, I said, I'm going to change this and I'm going to, we're going to revitalize Newport. And so my wife and I started about a year ago. Today we have over 100 people working in what is known as the Newport Sunshine Initiative. So that, that would be the one thing that you might not find on, on Google about me, but I spend a uh, considerable amount of my time really pouring my efforts and my heart into my hometown. Well, nurturing your hometown, nurturing great young entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial ideas, unlocking opportunity through, you know, nature and science coming together and funding it and and helping people grow to new levels is pretty exciting. So, Jay, congratulations on what you're doing. We are excited to bring the idea of the 113 molecules, even if we're going to, you know, leave that one off to the side for a bit in the cannabis plant. I'm Matt Rubel, and this is Retails from the Frontline. Good day, and may the good news be yours.